Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, good people of the Bad Signal Podcast? It is Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. Oh, yeah. I'm excited because we have another banger. Listen, we're not here to disappoint anyone. We are continuing our division previews. And I have the best of the best. It's funny because Mike Silver and I work together at NFL Network. I mean, this guy has been, and you will hear him say it. He has covered the 49ers since 1988. So this guy's got stories for days, this guy. Listen, he's one of my very good friends, incredibly talented. He worked at Yahoo Sports. He worked for Sports Illustrated. Hey, he wrote the book about Kurt Warner that became a movie, American Underdog. If you've heard about that, yeah, it only took 21 years. He has so much attached to his resume, and he's also just a funny, funny guy. Wildly entertaining. We got plenty of stories jam-packed into this hour preview of the nfc west what is more pertinent than the nfc west right now i mean dk metcalf just got a three-year 72 million dollar contract we talk about debo samuel we talk about the gorgeous jimmy garoppolo and his football skills nonetheless we talk about the los angeles rams and hey yeah we talk a little homework kyler murray so tune in strap in turn up the volume because you're gonna laugh i promise you (laughs) Me and Silver, we we get right into it with a great story from our days at NFL Network. So um, I want to come here and remind you as well. We got some great things coming out on Better Edge. BetterEdge.com slash Courtney. That is your betting platform. 45 states. It's legal, peer-to-peer marketplace. No vig, no fee. You know the deal. But Better Edge is coming out. It's going to make it so much easier to fade Fallon. We're coming out with copies and fade tickets. So listen, if I post something and I say, hammer the bills in week one against the Rams and you like my bet and I post it on the better edge platform, you can copy and you can just ride my ticket all the way. Or you can just hit fade. Say, listen, fade Fallon all day. That's coming up. We're coming out with um, some NFL futures that you can bet that will be in two weeks on the platform. So anyways, get on our platform Get going. Betteredge.com gives you $20 for free when you use the code Courtney. And without further ado, I won't waste much more of your time. Here's Mike Silver on the NFC West. Well, damn, it took long enough. My old buddy from NFL Network, Mike Silver, he's got a bunch of new gigs. He's working for the volume with the podcast. He's got some stuff with Bally Sports. And he is still the coolest OG of all time. He hazed me the first weekend we had orientation at NFL Network. It was myself and Jane Slater and Mike Silver was like, oh no, 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 you're not going to bed and made us drink and drink and drink until two. And then I missed the bus the next morning and uh, whether or not that was the uh, beginning of the end for me at the network. 
I don't know if it was that. I just know that James Palmer and I were offended by the notion that you guys had to turn in early because it was a big day tomorrow. We were like, yo, we're at the bungalow in Santa Monica. You guys are rookies last time I checked. And that means that it just, it got our competitive juices flowing along with some other juices mixed with tequila. And yeah, we drank late and then... Uh, I remember Slater, I got on the bus, you know, they're like, be on by seven, it's leaving, because they were taking us over, actually, to Culver City to the network for publicity shots. Awesome. And then uh, I got in the bus at like 6.59 and 53 seconds, and Slater's in there in the back looking like, you know, she's embalmed. She's just like, I am dead. And then she gets a call, and it's she's like, yeah, Fallon's going to meet us over there. And I'm like, wow, okay. I, I, I forgot guys, to set an alarm. I got there on time. I know. And you guys took beautiful photos. I, If they photographed me, I don't even want to think about what that looked like. <laughs> I just remember being, then we had to sit through the um, the Snapchat orientation and me and Jane, and they were like, oh, let's all exchange our Snapchat names. And me and Jane are like, we're making fake ones. I'm not. I'm not having our bosses follow us. On you know, Sarah. Courtney. I know you've you've uh, you've you're acquainted with my daughter Natalie, and I know that when she was about twelve or thirteen is when I became aware that Snapchat existed, and I was part fascinated, like, "Wow, they found a way to sext and have it disappear." That's amazing, and part horrified. She's my only daughter and oldest of three kids, and I remember at one point. Um, you know, I think maybe after that meeting where they're telling us you're gonna get on Snapchat, I ran up by her and she goes, You get Twitter, I get Snapchat. You are not getting zero, so I've never been on. Well, I it's 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 long since dissolved since Instagram stories has you know become taken over, and that's what they do in yeah. these uh these big large media factories and companies. Well, well, Mike, um you have moved on from the network. I have moved on from the network. We are both somewhat tied to Valley Sports National. Are you excited to share your expertise? Because you posted this picture of a credential of you've been covering the San Francisco 49ers oh, since yeah. 1992. I was, I actually started in 1989, but I found the 92 credential if this will wow, show wow. up. But I, I dressed up for it. So back in Rockland, where the 49ers used to have training camp, it was very, very hot and no shade. So I would wear a big straw hat. They were calling me Huck Finn early on. And uh, of course I had the prescription Ray-Bans going. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was a, that was, this was 1992. I actually I had it shrunk by then. The original hat was even worse, but uh, yeah, training camp used to be much more of a thing. They were almost all uh, away from the facility and they were long, they were like five weeks. So we would uh, literally rent an apartment up there. I, I worked first for the Sacramento union, but then the Santa Rosa press Democrat and some other writers and I would rent like a two or three bedroom place and uh, move in for like five weeks. It was wild. Did you, did you uh, smoke a prescription doobie before, before practice every once well, in a while? Well, back then it was uh, 1989 to 94. So the only prescription would have been from Dr. Dre uh, <laughs> and it would not have been official. So uh, yeah, no, I probably didn't risk a felony. Uh, I've just, I, I know that uh, early on, you know, 
another writer, Richard Weider, and I went out to a Mexican place with Joe Montana and Steve Bono, who was the third string quarterback. And, you know, I grew up a 49er fan in L.A., but like born in San Francisco, grew up a 49er fan. Joe Montana took my, you know, heartbreaking childhood team and made them magical and the best ever. So I had some feelings for Joe Montana before I met him and had to cover him. And he turned out to be awesome. And we're, you know, all of a sudden we're getting tequila shots and um, they brought the bill over. And of course, Joe's going to pay. He was making a lot of money. And I was like, I have to pay this. And he's like, and I'm like, I have to fill out an expense report. And back then it was by hand. I have to fill out an expense report that says tequila shots with Joe Montana. Like it it just, you just got to let me do it. So, uh, and you know, Joe Montana and I still, uh, you know, have managed to purchase lots of alcohol in each other's presence and I have not had to pay for all of it. So it's no, that's that that's a great idea. Have you have you hung out with Jimmy Garoppolo? Because you know he's kind of no. the biggest topic. He's the biggest topic of the day. Um, of course, they passed him on his physical with his shoulder. Any team would be stupid not to pass him if they're trying to move him. And Mike Shanahan saying the other day, Hey, we have officially moved on to Trey Lance. Oh, yeah, have I, I, time with Jimmy. Very I mean, handsome guy. He would out handsome you. I mean, first of all, he's so handsome, it's almost like you almost feel like you're in a movie. Like it's one thing if like I'm around handsome dudes plenty of times and I'm like, yeah, whatever that guy's handsome. Yeah. You know, TV, everyone's like, ah, oh, there's, you know, people see me on TV and they're like, wow, he really knows a lot. He's really yeah. smart. But some people go on TV and they're like, damn, we know why that person's on. So yeah, I'm used to it. Like I did the aftermath for six years with Rhett Lewis as my host. So yeah, I'm used to yeah. handsome, but Jimmy's like a different level of handsome. It's almost like, you know, uh, you know, you have to like, you know, 99.9% of the time I'm like, not only happily married, but I remember like, wow, I love women. But with Jimmy, I'm kind of like, I love women, right? Because he is dreamy. Um, you, you know, um, I have not actually hung out with him. I spent a lot of time talking to him. I had, wrote a column off of the NFC Championship game this last year where he kind of confided some things in me after the game. And it was really cool. Um, I'm a huge fan. He does not, uh, he's not very good about returning texts, but I don't take that personally because apparently he doesn't return George Kittle's texts or Kyle Shanahan's texts or anyone else's either. But uh, yeah, he is, um, they're in the process of trying to find him a new home. It's a weird situation though, because, you know, he went and got his shoulder, his throwing shoulder surgically repaired right after the season, kind of on his own. And that killed the trade market. And so, whereas Baker, the Browns really needed to get rid of him because his money was guaranteed and they'd already given all that money to Deshaun Watson guaranteed and there's a cap and all that. Yeah. Jimmy's is not. So the 49ers really don't have to do anything immediately, but they recognize, look, we traded three ones to move up and take Trey Lance. He's the guy we want to make this transition to him. Um, now Jimmy's you know, healthy or close to healthy, but the market is really cool. So there could be an injury somewhere where it's like, you know, Teddy Bridgewater in 2016, except for that horrible injury. And all of a sudden the Vikings were like, we'll give the Eagles a number one, a first round pick for Sam Bradford. But hopefully that doesn't happen to anyone else because that was horrible for Teddy. And if it doesn't, then you're wondering who's going to take Jimmy, even if he agrees to cut the contract. 
maybe they'll just cut him. And if they cut him, then someone will sign him. But it's going to be tough for Jimmy to come in and make an immediate impact. So he may really be looking at 2023 as his chance. It's going to be interesting to see how it evolves. Well, I mean, is he willing to take a step back and just kind of like uh, be the number two quarterback in a quarterback room? I, I wouldn't assume as much. Yeah, but, you know, his options are going to be limited timing-wise. Um, so uh, that may be the smart play, you know, if you're the Giants or uh, yeah, a team where the, the number one is likely to be on the bench soon and you like Brian Dayball. You know, I, if I'm Jimmy, I'm, I would consider that. Um, but do I think he's one of the best 32 quarterbacks on earth? Absolutely. So he should yeah. be a starter. Um, I defend him a lot. I know he's not perfect. And um, I know there are some things that have driven some people crazy, but man, he does a lot of good things, um, including something that the 49ers offense has been constructed in the image of. He hangs in under pressure and confidently delivers the ball very accurately into very tight spaces. And so Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, those guys are so good after the catch. And, you know, the 49ers have gone and got guys like that to take advantage of what Jimmy does in such an elite way. And so if Trey Lance isn't able to do that well, and I'm sure there are a lot of things Trey Lance is going to be able to do well, I would think, just based on the profile. He's unbelievably smart and skilled. But if he can't do that well, and there's some question about that, it's going to be an adjustment. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan can change the offense, you know, play calling wise, but personnel wise, they're very much locked into that Jimmy model. What does the absence of Mike McDaniel, um, who was the architect, I've heard this a number of different times. He's also pulled a bunch of, I've talked about this on the podcast. He pulled a bunch of different um, personnel and coaching staff off of the 49ers. And it's just slowly, there's like kind of this, this imminent idea that the Niners are really going to be showing that they're missing something this year. Would you it's say such, that's correct? It's such a great question, Courtney. I'm really glad you've asked it. So I've known Mike McDaniel for a long, long time. And I've kind of had an understanding from an early stage of just how important he is. And um, schematically, he's brilliant, um, especially in the run game. Um, what they've been able to do to be ahead of the curve in that in the run game with the outside zone, with uh, the backside plays that just catch people off guard. He's a huge, huge uh, resource for Kyle. Um, he also has been with Kyle mostly unabated, you know, for, you know, a, a decade and a half. Okay, so it, yeah. It's a big deal. And so of all the people that Kyle has lost or could lose, that was always the one that I thought, man, he really doesn't want to lose him. He also filled this great role where Kyle can be very, you know, demanding and prickly and not great at communicating with other coaches sometimes, but Mike understood how to communicate Kyle to the rest of the staff and could communicate the rest of the staff to Kyle in kind of a, an efficient way that shielded some of the other coaches from some of that direct communication at times. So in those ways, he's hugely valuable. Now, I, I also, and I think he's going to be 
fascinating in Miami. I went out I, and saw, I saw him there. I'm so big, big, big time rooting yeah, for that. Part. So excited. Now, I do want to say this, though, because I, I don't want to give the wrong impression. Um, he is all of those things and he is hugely valuable. And I am also very curious to see what it's like without him. I don't want to, though, I, you know, the caveat is that Mike is probably a genius, but Kyle is also a genius yeah. football wise. And so you are losing someone really, really important to you. That's been a huge part of it. But as far as scheme and understanding those principles and innovating and thinking in an abstract way and knowing the running game and how it's married with the past, Kyle, you know, may be at the very top of the world and his father, Mike was at the top of the world, you know, in his time. So I, I still believe that all of the things that they need to have that scheme be cutting edge are there with Kyle. And he's meanwhile got some up and coming guys like Bobby Slowick. And by the way, a revived uh, Chris Furster, one of the great, quietly one of the great comeback stories in NFL history, Chris Furster is Chris Forster from the from the Dolphins. That's right. He oh is, my God, that he, guy! Yes, he is oh. sitting in Mike McDaniel's oh. old office as the de facto oh. Mike McDaniel no. replacement. He is okay. a he's a, is, he's, he's, he's a, an offensive line mastermind, and you know he's helping Kyle, especially with the running game. Uh, you know, keep it cutting edge. So Chris Forster, who, uh, yeah, I mean, you you oh. know, we all laugh because that crazy video that surfaced he was um, doing cocaine in the dolphins where yes uh, he yeah, had sent the video of himself uh snorting a white substance saying i'm going to i'm going to a meeting presumably to run a dolphins offensive line meeting uh and he had sent it to a prostitute who uh at the time was kind of his de facto soulmate in his warped mind but chris Furster, who went oh. to rehab lived in a halfway house turned his life around, quietly joined the 49ers eventually as a consultant and has worked his way all the way back to offensive line coach and now run game coordinator. He is now sitting in Mike McDaniel's old office and going to meetings, uh, if not daily, very, very regularly and doing great. That made me, that really just made my day. I was like, wait a minute. I hadn't heard. I had friends that were on the Dolphins coaching staff and I was texting them and they're like, this can't be right. Well, Courtney, like, think, think about this. They were all, they're all the coaches, like the coaches were like, yeah. no, this isn't real. Yeah, like, it's, it's, extra, it's extraordinary. Now, listen, I oh, think about how crazy this is. There's been a lot of turnover on that staff in addition to McDaniel, but one stroke of fortune for Kyle Shanahan is this. Mike McDaniel almost certainly was taking Chris Furster with him wherever he went, except for one place, which is where he got the job. So Mike McDaniel, if he goes into 30 other buildings as the head coach, goes, okay, here's what I'm thinking for staff. And by the way, Chris Furster, in that building, when he was going through it, as he's getting ready to be named head coach, Mike McDaniel did not have the balls or the juice in that moment to say, hey, um, I was thinking, because they're like, yo, the dude who did the lines in our building before he ran a meeting and then put it on video and sent it to a <laughs> prostitute. No, we're not there yet. Uh, I can't, this is too good. 
This is too good. I, you know, as as the great Kendrick Lamar would say, uh, poetic justice. Yeah, poetic justice. That is. We can go a couple of different ways here, but on the subject of Mike McDaniel, the architect, Debo Samuel, him demanding that he wants out. I mean, obviously, there's a there's just a, there's a there's a sense of unhappiness, but there's also a sense that Mike McDaniel was the one that created this sort of like running back hybrid wide receiver position that made him so indefensible, um, you know, in, 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 in the, in the games that the 49ers were playing now, DK Metcalf just signed a three year, $72 million extension that includes 58 million guaranteed a $30 million signing bonus, the most for a wide receiver. Where does this set the market for a guy like Debo Samuel it seems like the money just keeps getting hotter and hotter. The, 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 the line, that line, that, you know, de- demarcation, it just keeps getting higher and higher. But when you're DBO Samuel, uh, what, what kind of money are you asking for? And you're, are you looking at this deal and you're saying, all right, so I'm where, where am I worth? Yeah, I think he's looking for top of the market. And this would be, if I were Debo Samuel, I would say it this way. I'd go, look, um, that's amazing that, when you were three and five and your season was going to crap, you partly turned your season around Kyle Shanahan by basically making your running game, basically making me the focal point of your running game and using me to get a lot of those rushing yards that freed up play action. And you almost went to the Super Bowl doing that. And I put my body on the line to do that. And by the way, running backs don't make that much money and they don't get second or certainly third contract very often. So I'm shortening my career arguably and playing a less lucrative position, moonlighting, helping you turn your team around. Um, And that's all good because I'm a team player and we almost went to the Super Bowl, but I got to get my money now because unlike DK Metcalf, you know, I'm assuming an even bigger physical risk and probably shortening my career. So I think it's very understandable if you're Debo, you're like, look, look what I've done and don't penalize me for playing partly running back, you know, uh, incentivize that. Um, and Courtney, I just, I also wonder, uh, you know, Jimmy was so good at getting him the ball in those tight spaces. Maybe he's reacting to a, you know, Maybe he's not quite sure from what he's seen from Trey Lance that it's going to be like that accuracy wise. And so all of that, because clearly something happened. It went from like, yeah, we almost made the Super Bowl to like, I don't even want to talk to you all. I want my money now. Um, You know, I think something will get done because it's the smart thing on all sides. But yeah, if I'm Debo, I don't think DK Metcalf's deal makes me want to take less than I was asking for. No, absolutely not. Well, then on the other flip side, you're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Is that is that that's got to be a more enticing spot? And we know General Manager John Schneider is one of the the greats in the league. Um, very funny, very savvy as well. Very savvy GM. Could a trade partner to the Seattle Seahawks happen? I well, mean, people people say yeah. people say no because it's in the division, and I would remind them that. The Eagles traded Donovan McNabb to Washington. Uh, The Patriots traded Drew Bledsoe to the Bills. So when you want to get rid of a guy bad enough and you're not worried and you think you've got someone you like and you're not worried about that team, 
you'll do it. Now, are the 49ers worried about the Seahawks? Well, on one level, you'd say they should be. They've lost a lot to the Seahawks the last few years, but they seem to me to be clearly rebuilding. And now I fell into this trap once before. I, I sat with John Schneider late in 2017. I kind of got a sense of what was coming and they were going to rebuild around Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. And I thought, well, 2018 is a lost season for them. And they proved me wrong. They made the playoffs even after losing all those great players like Sherman and Bennett and all that. Now, um, I think this is a strong, a, a bigger rebuild, losing Russell Wilson, losing Bobby. Yeah. Um, and so if you tell me the Seahawks think they can compete this year, then yeah, go get Jimmy because he's better than Drew Locke and Geno Smith, in my opinion. But I don't know if they want to. You know, now on the other hand, they have Pete Carroll, who's, you know, not young. And I don't think he's down with the whole, hey, we'll get good in a few years. But I, you know, if I thought Jimmy was going to put him over the edge and like make him a contender, I'd be like, what are you doing? But maybe yeah. they're content to to take their love. So I think it could happen if the Seahawks are into it. I just don't know if the Seahawks are into it. Yeah. Well, it seems like we've already knocked off two teams of the NFC West and it just happened so organically. I was going to have you come on here and talk AFC West, but nope, we're switching gears. We're just going to roll through the rest of the division on our sure. preview here. Are you visiting? I know you are stuck at home with um, COVID face. Poor Mike. Um, yeah. I hope you feel better. Um, but are you going to planning on visiting any any training camps? Yes, Courtney, and it will depend upon when I'm cleared uh, from the COVID list. And listen, yes. man, uh, I don't want to complain. Physically unable to perform list right now. You're pop. Yeah, you know, I'm okay now. I I don't want to complain. It's you know, obviously, it's been a deadly uh, virus two plus years. Uh, luckily, I had a bunch of shots, and um, you know, I had a long, long run without catching it. So, um, you know, it's my time. But, yeah, if I can get cleared off this list, Courtney, I would like to at least hit some camps, uh, you know, in the, on the West Coast where I live. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm thinking of trying to start with a, um, you know, that Ram Charger Cowboy L.A. Vortex yeah. and then the, the Niners who are closer to me. Um, and I did spend a little time in Vegas and um, spent some time with, Dave Ziegler, who is the Raiders' new GM, who I'm really excited about. So I am uh, I am left coast focused at the moment until I get my strength back. Okay, I know I'm excited for Dave Ziegler. I just uh, am hoping that he doesn't succeed so much more than New England Patriots because he's just stealing every single player that used to work inside the halls of one Patriot place in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Let's talk about those Los Angeles Rams. God damn. Fuck those picks, man. <laughs> I, is, is there anything the listener doesn't care about? I mean, like, he is just throwing caution to the wind. Why doesn't the salary cap exist? Yeah. So I, so I like this, Courtney. I like how they go after it. And I, I did a thing for Bally with Kevin Demoff, the team president, who, you know, is a tone setter on this. Sean, obviously, is the major tone setter, McVeigh, and, and Les, um, you know, would be the third pillar there. But Really, you know, every time I suggest a team be aggressive, especially the Packers, who I would take to task for not maximizing having the, you know, 
unprecedented gift of back-to-back first ballot Hall of Famers. The 49ers had them in Montana and Young, but not for 30 years consecutive. Farvin Rogers, and they've won two Super Bowls and been to three, and that's underachieving. And in my opinion, it's because their attitude has been, oh, those guys will get it done. Why do we have to be aggressive? We'll be passive and build through the draft. And I, I say, load up when you have one of those guys, go for broke and maximize the window. And there's a very, very tiny window left with Aaron Rodgers and then it'll all be gone. But um, meanwhile, the Bucks in 2020 and the Rams last year were teams that went all in and said, screw the future and were rewarded in those cases. And it doesn't always work, but they were, were rewarded with championships. So the Rams, yeah, fans are always like, Wait, how can they fit all those guys under the cap? How can they trade all those picks away? Here's how. It's an organizational philosophy. And you can play salary cap tricks and people say, oh, well, you're going to have to pay the piper later. Kind of. Usually no, because the cap just keeps going up and you have to make some hard choices, but it's not cataclysmic. It was more pronounced because of COVID and the cap actually going down for the only time ever. But you can... The cap is a myth. Usually when teams whine about the cap, it's they want to get rid of a guy and they're just using that as an excuse. Now, you can't do everything, but you can do what the Rams do and and stay aggressive. And as far as picks, yeah, picks are important. But, you know, would you, uh, you know, would you rather have the ability to pick someone or would you rather have a player you think can make an impact right away? And if you believe that with later round picks you can find people who your coaching staff can develop and fit into your system and have success with then you're more willing to take those risks so i like the way they do it i think it's cool um and i like it because every time i make comments about aggressive player acquisition you've got these not only just naysaying fans on social media but you've got actual uh cap dorks who will come on who I guess maybe do it for a living somehow on Excel, analytics. Excel sheets. On and they're like, and I'm like, yeah, okay, buddy. I came in in the DeBartolo, Jerry Jones, the beginning of the cap years, DeBartolo and Karma policy. And guess what? They could never fit Deion Sanders under the cap. They did. They both won championships because of it. And, um, you know, I just, I've been doing this a long time. I I love what the Rams are doing because of the naysayers. And yeah, it might all blow up. And last year, if Jaquiski Tart holds onto that pass interception in the NFC Championship game, Stafford's probably, you know, being crushed for throwing all those picks and the 49ers beat the Rams again and it didn't work. And people say, oh, the Rams went all in and it didn't work. And they would have been right. And it's a fine line. But I applaud them for having the guts to try and they're trying again this year and good for them. It seems as though everyone, and when I say everyone, I'm saying the peanut gallery or there's uh, various different, um, who was it? The tears article for the athletic and that defensive coordinator. Uh, for some reason, part of me thinks it's Jim Schwartz. I have a policy against attempted source outing because it's been done to me a lot. Sometimes people have gotten it right. Sometimes they've gotten it wrong. Okay, okay. A, I think it's a dangerous thing because it's a league of paranoia where people could lose jobs because they're suspected of being a source. So I, I don't do it for that reason. And I also think it's bad for business. I want people to continue to 
tell me everything and I have a lot of them. So uh, I don't want anyone ever speculating about my sources. They're usually wrong. So I will, you could, you are free to do that. I will, I will not participate in that just as a batter. It's like one of the few rules I have, Courtney, I will make you drink till two in the morning. I will not judge you when you don't get on the bus, but I will not do that. Okay. Well, that's not really what I was getting at, but I, I wanted to mention that because I really was just, I was thinking, I was like, that sounds like Jim Schwartz. He's kind of an asshole. I was never really such a fan. However, everyone seems to pick one quarterback before the season. They just want to absolutely rip to shreds. This year, it's Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't like that. From that. I really, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very pro Lamar and I'm very yeah. upset that he's, I am extremely in that. That quote is what I'm talking about. Is it sounded very personal, and Lewis Riddick really, really spoke very well. Yeah, I, um, I, I don't like it. Up. I don't like it for a lot of reasons, but um, you know, there's been this notion out there that you know, first there was this thing where it's like, you know, the Ravens maybe instead of paying Lamar, they just go draft a new one every four years, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you're gonna find another Lamar. Yeah, sure. And that you know, there's this weird. Um, I think because Hollywood Brown got out and they've had trouble getting some guys. So that's real. There is a real thing among some receivers. Like, I don't like that offense. I can't get mine in that offense. And maybe that's going to be harder for the Ravens to attract certain elite receivers. And that's a thing. And that's the way they run their offense. But this notion that Lamar is not playing at an unbelievably elite level is crazy to me. And, um, you know, I mean, people are talking about Kyler who just got paid uh, and Kyler's done some cool things. Kyler's never stepped up and played well in a big game in the NFL yet. And, And I think he will, but he's had chances with playoffs on the line and then in the playoffs. And he's kind of late leg Lamar who lost the playoff game when they were the number one seed went to Tennessee and won a big playoff game the next year. And in 2020, Courtney, I I, I watched all those games at home. And, you know, I don't, I don't cheer in the NFL like a fan would cheer. I've got my friends that I'm happy for, but I'm not like an NFL fan. But because I'm sitting there watching at home, watching that playoff game when they were playing Tennessee, which had knocked them yeah. out the previous year, and it's a crisis moment, and Lamar kind of – fans out and puts his foot in the ground and then ends up running 60 whatever yards for the pivotal touchdown. When he planted that first, when he made that first cut, I screamed involuntarily. I was just like, ah, like (laughs) that's, that's how, you know, like that's how moved I was by what he did. And he's done some things throwing the ball that are equally eye catching. He was just doing what he had to do to win that game in that moment. But I, I think Lamar is a G. I think, uh, you know, I, I think you would rather have him than most quarterbacks on this earth. And yeah. it's only even a conversation because he's playing in the time of Mahomes, who is so mind-meldingly great. And now we see Herbert and Josh Allen and some of these guys who just look so young and special. But I just I think Lamar's in that group. He, I think he's done more 
in bigger games than Deshaun Watson has to this point in his career. Uh, certainly more than Kyler, as we said. So, you know, there, there are some guys like Rodgers and Brady and Russell Wilson who obviously accomplish more and are elite and more accomplished. But of that next group of young people, yeah, there's Mahomes, but I think Lamar's right in there. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I actually, even before last season, put together a piece, and I might, I might drop it again because I think he was dead. He around this time last year, he caught COVID again, or he was like injured at the beginning of the training camp. But I put together a video that that argued that Lamar would have another MVP season. And, wow. you know, I, I just think, I mean, the accuracy levels and there was really no, no dip. When you look at the numbers and I have to go pull them back up again, but Mike, I, I completely agree with you. And a lot of people said, oh, it's accuracy. It's just, no, he actually got more accurate over the course of the year when everyone was criticizing him. Um, he really stepped back. He really took a lot more chances. And obviously, you know, that, that um, includes having the ability to, you know, to throw into tighter windows and has a, you know, has a higher, has a higher expectation of, of, you know, having pass breakups or interceptions or whatnot. But um, he made a lot smarter decisions. Um, and he made a lot more aggressive decisions. He was a more complete quarterback. And I, I would not doubt that Lamar is going to, I, I just, yeah, I, I think, I think Lamar is, you know, in a great system down there in Baltimore. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that he's going to impress a lot of people. Um, the part of what I was trying to get at before we kind of went on this tangent, Mike, was that they pick Lamar Jackson as the, uh, as the guy for everyone to hate last year, it was Matthew Stafford. So where does Matthew Stafford rank? They, I mean, they were ripping him. Matthew Stafford is poo poo this and, you know, all time stat pat leader. He went out and won a Super Bowl. So where would you right. rank him in the, uh, in the top 10 of quarterbacks? Because, you know, I watched him those uh, few years over there in Detroit and that man can sling the ball around. I don't think it's any fluke. Well, we knew he was very tough and we knew he uh, had an incredible arm and we knew he, you know, brought that team from, you know, from out of nowhere, from behind in key moments a lot. Yeah. But, you know, I think a lot of those criticisms going into last season were were justified in fairness, you know, had not won a playoff game. And, uh, you know, at some point, I know it's not the, hasn't been the ideal franchise, but at some point we like to see people elevate. And, um, but, you know, it's, I can't really, it. I could sit here and tell you, I think he threw a lot of picks down the stretch and, it wasn't always perfect, but it doesn't really matter at this point because he could just be like, um, can't really see the screen right now, Mike, because that uh, giant ring is blinding me. And you know what? I So I don't want to uh, – I mean, I, I want to just say flat out, like, you know, Super Bowls talk, winning a Super Bowl talks. Uh, and, you know, the pass he threw to Cup – who got open against Tampa after Brady with that insane comeback from 27-3 down in the playoffs was yeah. a big, big moment. He had some big moments in the NFC Championship game and Super Bowl, despite having made some mistakes. Um, you know, I, I would say as someone who's very close to Jared Goff and talk about a quarterback getting shit, oh my God. Yeah. Um, but as someone who's very close to him and, and has been very, very highly sensitive to, um, you know, the shit he takes, if, Jared Goff had thrown some of the picks Matthew Stafford threw down the stretch last year in big games. I, the, you know, I feel like the internet would have exploded. Right. That said, 
it doesn't matter. Matthew Stafford left Detroit, went to the Rams, came up big, won a Super Bowl. So you have to put him in that top group right now because he went out and earned it. So um, I will give, you know, I will give very little resistance um, when it comes to people talking about how great Matthew Stafford is. Good for him. Yeah. Final team on our uh, uh, final team on our NFC list uh, preview here with Mike Silver, the great Mike Silver. Mike, how many hours of film do you watch a week? I think you. Know um, what well, here. does it count when I'm playing video games or watching TV? Because um, I think the way to measure it now, based on what the Cardinals say, is it has to be a hundred percent undivided attention. Um, I cannot tell you that I watch enough film per week to qualify for that kind of payday from the Arizona Cardinals, but I can tell you that I do watch a lot of, um, you know, say curb your enthusiasm when that new season comes or Peaky Blinders, you know, so if the show is good enough, you will have my undivided attention. Okay. So if, if the Cardinals season goes 10 and 0 and they don't bust for the rest of the uh seven games. I this then then the you know then it would be worth watching. Is there is there anything like more anticlimactic than an Arizona Cardinals uh Cliff Kingsbury led football uh, that, I, I have so many that. answers that I could give that probably oh, would just do it. Just give it give me the trouble. best one. Um, the best one. So you know listen I would say this um that clause is understandably getting a lot of attention and and I would assume Kyler did not want it out there or or in the contract. So whether the Cardinals put it out or put it in the contract knowing it would probably get out, um, you know, that's on them. But I do have some sympathy for the Cardinals um, in this way. Um, you know, Kyler's a tough one. He, they, they had Josh Rosen, who they had taken, traded up to get, very high. Mm -hmm. They then said, screw it. We have the number one pick. We're taking Kyler and he's delivered. He turned them from a team that was losing into a team that's been relevant. Um, He's played very well at times. Um, And so now it's time to pay him. And so, you know, you've kind of got to pay him and the the market rate is high right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm not worried about Michael Bidwell's actual money, but about cap, you know, impact on cap because it's a little real, even though I said it wasn't real it still matters a little so um on one hand you got to pay him on the other hand i can understand why the cardinals were feeling like they were in a little bit of a box because he has not come through the way you'd want him to you know the year before they almost made the playoffs and they kind of wilted down the stretch he sat on a game with what seemed like a vague type of injury at the time and he didn't really step up and carry them. And, um, you know, in fairness to Kyler, Cliff Kingsbury's teams have a history of fading down the stretch in both college and the NFL, and they did fade that year. And then last year, yeah, they had that amazing start. And I thought last year, based on what I'd heard coming out of that building the previous year and how disappointed and frustrated the owner was, I thought there was implosion potential, and I kind of said that. And then I was like, well – Miss that one. They're, you know, they're undefeated. But yeah, then it finally started leveling off. And, you know, Kyler, again, um, didn't, you know, put them on his back late. And then 
in the playoff game uh, in LA, he just looked kind of, you know, not ready for prime time. And it wasn't just him. Uh, and listen, they went and gave Cliff and Steve Kime extensions too. So uh, they decided we're giving everyone extensions. We're going for it. But I understand if you were the Cardinals, why you were feeling a little hesitant about doing it. And if that was your hedge, putting in the homework clause, then, you know, whatever. It's your it's your team. It's your money. But don't be surprised when it gets out. And maybe they didn't mind it getting out. But I, I think Kyler minded. I think there's a couple more clauses that are supposedly coming down the stretch. And hopefully, you know, Steve Kime, if he's a smart enough owner, he'll put the kibosh on all of that. Because well, he's the GM. That's on the general owner. manager. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Bidwell is the owner. Forgive me. Um, but I, he called a press conference today to talk about the clause, the homework clause. Tyler did, yeah. Listen, if, if you're just going to put, like, the mannequin head in front of the Zoom and then be sleeping on the couch or playing video games. Just like, just let us know. Let us know well, now. I, I, I would say this. All COVID tricks, my guy. I mean, in fairness, I think, and this goes back to the Lamar thing. I mean, in fairness, black quarterbacks have reasons to be sensitive about some of these things, given the history and the way the, you know, things have played out and things people say and some of the I just find that stereotypes and find that to be so ridiculous. And, and let's be honest, the climate in our country, some of the things that have been said openly at the highest levels in the last seven years that were not ever or not ever, but had not been okay to say publicly for a long, long time and understandably. So um, on the other hand, I would say I'll never forget Courtney, um, Ben Roethlisberger's second year, he takes the Steelers to the Super Bowl. I'm working for Sports Illustrated. I go up to Pontiac, Michigan, where they're staying before the Super Bowl and have some time with Ben on the Friday, two days before. We're sitting in a room, we're talking, and at one point he just says to me, you know, I don't really deal with that film watching stuff. I know people say it's really overrated. I'm just not a big film watching guy. And it w- I'll never forget the sensation, Courtney, like as I'm writing it down and looking into his eyes, I'm just, I'm feeling Peyton Manning's presence like over my shoulder and feeling Peyton's head exploding. And I know that when Peyton sees the quote, he's going to just absolutely lose his mind. And so I think what I would say is not everyone has to watch film like Peyton Manning. No one probably ever will, but like fake it a little bit. Just be like, yeah, you know, film watching is important and so is feel for the game. But, yeah. um, you know, and Kyler did have some quotes last year in the in a New York Times article that kind of opened the door to this where he's like, yeah, I'm more of an intuitive player. But whatever. Um, I understand why Kyler's a little bit more. Well, Patrick Mahomes even admitted he's like, yeah, I started like actually studying teams halfway through the season. I didn't see that. No, maybe. Oh, no, this was um, I think it was one of his it was his first. His first year or his second year? Oh, wow. He well, said, oh, yeah, no, you know, I, I, I wasn't really re- – oh, he didn't say that. He said, I wasn't really reading defenses until halfway through the season. I think, I think what that he meant is I wasn't – yeah, I was trying but not getting – I don't know. Listen, yeah. Matthew Mahomes is a perfect creation and can do no wrong, and if anyone ever says otherwise, I will fight them. As I've said, as I used to say on NFL Network, if loving – Patrick Mahomes is wrong. I don't want to be right. Well, you're always right. You're always there. You always do right by my book. Um, talk about your new job. So, I mean, yeah. So you, you, you came 
uh, well, I mean, speaking of the Rams, Kurt Warner, you wrote the book that became a movie. I know. And it How funny only- was that? It only took 21 years. Oh it only took God, years. I like silver. Yeah, what, a, what a pleasant surprise. I have it here somewhere. Let me <laughs> let me grab a copy here. Yeah, That's the book, All Things Possible, which 21 years later became American Underdog. And then my beautiful wife and I got to go to a red carpet premiere oh. uh, at Chinese Theater in Hollywood. But so, Courtney, listen, um, Kurt's story was so... Extraordinary. Um, it, I just don't think there's ever been anything like it in football and few things like it in sports. And I was so, you know, I wrote the first big story on him in Sports Illustrated. And, you know, off of that Super Bowl, we sold that book and I wrote it. And so when people are like, can you believe it got made to a movie? I'm like, yeah, I can believe it because I really thought it was that good a story. I just, I'm surprised that 21 years later it did, but I'm really happy it did. And, you know, um, it was, the movie was very faithful to the book. Um, I like timeline and factual and everything. And I just remember walking out of the theater, that Chinese theater for the premiere. And I thought it's so corny, this movie, but it's true corny. Like it, you know, it's a little over dramatized, but it really, that's really what happened. And, I was there and it was really awesome. And um, yeah, so that was great. And uh, yeah, a really nice kind of surprise uh, after all these years. Did someone play you as the journalist? In the I, movie? Did not, did uh, I did not. I did not. On casting? Or they're yeah, just well, like, here's a check. Here's a, here's a check, Mike. Uh, well, I, got a, I got a check, but not for that. But I, I, um, there was a, you know, I did a book with Dennis Rodman and a bunch of other stuff back in the day. And there was this cheesy kind of made for TV movie, which dates me back then that came out that I never saw, but my sister watched it and she goes, yeah, there was this unnamed reporter, Sports Illustrated guy hanging out with him with kind of like, you know, curly black hair and like glasses and like kind of loud. And she's like, that's definitely you. And then the other great thing was, um, you know, there's the famous uh, it, the fail Mary game in 20. Oh, uh, that thing. yeah, you love that picture. 20, I see that picture often. It's that one 20, in the Steve Kerr. Well, the, that's lock, gonna... the, lock, the officiating lockout. So that's me on the field after the game, seeing Aaron Rodgers. And he and I'm going, what the fuck just happened? Because I really didn't know. And he's going, what the fuck? Because he knew. And that was the simultaneous possession atrocity ruling in the end zone. And then apparently I learned that night because it was before I worked at NFL Network. I was at Yahoo Sports. But apparently you can say an F-bomb on live national television if you speak for America. Because it went viral. It became a meme. It was right into the Monday Night Football cameras. Um, and so I, I, I can't remember why we were on this, Courtney. Now, let's okay. see, this is what happens when you get really old. Hold on. We're going to backpedal here. Um, but, uh, okay. Wow. Woo. Um, anyway. Oh, things working. Oh, the guy, the, uh, the, the movie that your sister saw that was a made for TV movie. Oh yeah. Oh, right. So later, um, there was a South Park episode. Oh no. Um, and. Uh, my kids are huge South Park fans and especially my sons. And 
we the, someone showed me a South Park episode where I think it's Randy Marsh. They're watching an NFL game and something happens and he goes, what the fuck? Like same hand motion and yells, what the fuck? Now it wasn't like a direct reference to that, but it was an NFL game and he goes, what the fuck? And I'm like, that's gotta be at least partly inspired by me. So if I ever got to meet Trey or Matt, I would, which would be a thrill. I would immediately be like, Hey, do you remember that whole, like, what the fuck thing? That's me. Please tell me that, like, in some weird way that that could have been an influence. I'd be so happy. Have you ever seen the South Park creating of a South Park? They did this documentary, and this was the Human Centipede episode that they walked through. I've never heard my dad. First of all, my dad watched that episode. I've never seen my dad laugh so hard in my entire life. Have you ever seen the Bill Belichick cheating uh, South Park, I, it's I I, unbelievable. Okay, okay. He's interpreted the rules. It's <laughs> a, it is a absolute classic. I will, uh, I'll try to send it to you after the taping. Okay, uh, yeah, because we're approaching fifty minutes. I want to say, I mean, I wanted to get to the whole Steve Kerr is my buddy, and then he grew up and he coached, uh, you know, a dynasty, and you're very close with. We Steve can do Kerr that. Warriors. I mean, in in high school at Palisades High School in L.A. We had a newspaper called the Tideline. We were right by the beach, the Palisade Tideline. My co-sports editor and I wrote a column called the Riptide, which lived down to its name. That uh, co-sports editor was Steve Kerr. And the other interesting part of this is that I had been born in San Francisco. As I mentioned, I was a 49er fan. I was the only Warrior fan in my school. Like I was known for the stain, all these Laker fans. Lakers were always great. I was a Warrior fan. So I got brutalized for being a Warrior fan by everyone, especially Steve Kerr. So he knows. He understands when I go to victory parties in Cleveland, and i that was plural, when I show up at some of these things, uh, you know, when I get unbelievable texts from the head coach, you know, right after games that are not fit for public consumption, he knows he's talking to not only his boy who loves him and is so proud of him and yada, 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 but like I actually suffered for 40 years of warrior, you know, like ineptitude and futility. So now like I am just, I live every second of it and and I don't cover the NBA, so I don't have to, I'm allowed to be a fan and yeah, I've had a lot of, Great moments. And uh, yeah, you mentioned jobs. I've got a lot going. I'm really excited about. Uh, I formed a media company with one of your former NFL Network colleagues. Hit me me up. Metal Lark is down the street. You know, John Marvel and I formed Backstage Media and we have a deal with Metal Lark, which uh, John Skipper, man, I cannot tell you how much I love. I I wanted to work. I listened to his when they started the Metal Lark Media and there was a four hour I was driving to I was driving to Washington, D.C., and I listened to every four-hour four interview with John Skipper, and I said, I have to meet this man. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I like... I know that I think he is a phenomenal human being. Now that I've actually now that I'm actually met him, I'm like, whoa. If I had met him earlier and gotten to know him, I would have tried really hard to work for him. And ESPN and I always had a weird... Starting at the SI days, I got to SI in 94, so... Over yeah. the years, there were all these ESPN flirtations back and forth and potential things, and it just never felt right. But now that I've 
met him, I'm like, oh no, I would have wanted to work for that guy. Yeah. So I, we're doing unscripted stuff and audio and video and John Marvel. And I have some really exciting stuff coming. That's amazing. I'm working on a book that hopefully will become public pretty soon when I get a deal. Okay. Um, I'm working at Bally Sports. That's my old Yahoo Sports boss, Dave Morgan, who is another guy I just adore working for. Um, so I'm doing some national coverage for them still. And um, and then I've got a deal at the volume, Colin Coward, who has been an amazing uh, source of support for me as I transition all this. I have a podcast called Open Mic yeah. on the Volume. That's his podcast network. That's me interviewing various set of luminaries. The latest is me and Von Miller. Um, it went an hour eight, so don't feel bad. And uh, it, it was he's definitely a better guest than I am, but he was uh, he was fantastic. So that's called Open Mic. And then Courtney, believe it or not, I have a really exciting. Uh, you know, real gig that is in the works that will be announced very soon. And I think people are going to go, wait, really? But then they're going to go, oh, and, and I think people are going to get it. And I'm super pumped about it. So I can't quite let the cat out of the bag, but it involves the NFL and other things. And it's, um, it's you know, I'm going to be loud and, and conspicuous. So it's going to be right. really and, and that's just exactly who you are. Well, damn. I mean, like, I was the one that was checking in on you after you left the network. It's a share the love, man. Oh, you know, <laughs> Courtney, you know you and I are going to work together again. We've known that since that uh, morning. You did take the bus, but did show up. And I, I think we all, I think we both know that uh, there will be something where you and I are, you know, at least like making moves or, you know, working on the same project or something. Cause I, I just, yeah. you know, we have too much fun together and, you know, life is too short. Although in my case, it's, it's much shorter than in it's your much case. Shorter, so. Especially <laughs> while you're on the COVID hook right here. Yeah. I made it. So, okay. Yeah. Knock on wood. Yeah. No, I mean like, you know what, what I, what I really loved about, there were so many great people, although there's some snakes in the grass over there at that network. Um, yeah, especially, really especially way up at the top of the lawn. Yeah, but um, yeah, and I mean, one of them just bit a former employee as well. Um, hate to see it. Yeah, I, I actually I hate to see it too. Actually, I'm kind of I really don't care. But um, yeah, that was uh, that was like way too low pro. <laughs> I actually don't. I'm, I'm thinking. I actually don't even know who it is. I, but I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you off air. I'll tell I'm you. I'm assuming that but I'm I okay. Do. Just. Dancing on anyone's grave who was. Oh yeah, no, I, exactly. Except exactly. for John Marvel, who left, who is my partner. No, was, I know. I love John Marvel. There's a lot great, a lot of great people there. But I think that they also just appreciated the fact that, um, you know, we were real. We, you and I, were real sourcers. We were real sourcers. We got to it, and you made connections. You made front office connections and personnel, and um, you know that's that's the most important part about the business is relationships. So um, it's no surprise that you are still thriving after the nfl i totally appreciate that it looks like my printer is uh going off i'm gonna have to shout yeah. out to my yeah. wife in a different room deciding uh to print on your podcast <laughs> she's she like has, she has covid right now let's let's uh, give lovely some sympathy yeah um, yeah love love uh love and affection to the entire silver family yeah, in fact i got a text uh during the podcast from one natalie silver that said make sure to tell you hi and that it sounds really fun that we're on a podcast. And I know she's a big fan. 
So I love, I love Natalie. I really, well, your daughter, your daughter, Fat Nat Silver. She just, she like me. She's like me. She gives zero fucks at all well, I'll times. Tell you, I'll tell you what. Uh, doing the Pass It Down podcast with her, which was me taking advantage yep. of her when she was stuck in my house during the early days of the pandemic. But we've, you know, we did. Uh, I think almost 50 episodes together we've been on hiatus because she's got a demanding job and i don't want to add to it but uh someday I, I hope to or someday soon i hope to revive pass it down because uh, yeah do it on what, Streamyard. i mean listen Streamyard yeah. is one of the best this is this is one of the best platforms and you can go automatically live on youtube on twitter um i, I share it. it with one of my producers but i mean thieves brands it's it's great i think it's the best um it's the best medium, especially, you know, for cross country ideas. And, you know, now yeah. I can host shows with some of my buddies who are halfway across the country. Well, well, uh, you're right. Metal Arc is right by you. So we need to hang in person soon. Um, I definitely need to get out to, uh, you know, Metal Arc headquarters and uh, see Dan Levitard and the whole crew. I mean, all, all those people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Billy Corbin, who is Metal Archangel. One of my, yep, he is. He is a longtime best friend. Mentor. I've never hung out with him. But I had a phone what? call with him. Well, oh, he uh, loves bourbon too. Our You're yeah, our it. mutual friend Sage Rosenfeld oh, set us up on God. the phone, and I was like, after talking on the phone to that guy for an hour, I'm like, that's I gotta hang out with him. No, you. Um, well, if you hang, I mean, one of my one of my long, long time friends. And uh, you did send me video of you and my BFF Uncle Luke, which, you know, uh, rub it in a little bit, like my. Uh, and, and in fact, the Pass It Down podcast, the intro is Uncle Luke. Uh, okay. Yeah, I know. We tried to FaceTime you and you're like, sorry, I'm busy. I think I was I like, was, listen, VIP, Silver, VIP. I think I was doing some odious, like, professional <laughs> thing that was going to get me in trouble if I had too much fun. But, um, oh, or like watching a show with my wife who probably would have, like, strangled me. So for taking any call. Either, um, either way. Either way. Well, but- Thank so you. Courtney, um, it's been real. I have filibustered. I have sucked up uh, airtime. I didn't tell you who's going to win the NFC West, but I do think. Oh yeah, who's going to win the NFC West? Really depends how good Trey Lance is. If yeah. Trey Lance is any good, it'll be the Niners. If not, uh, it'll probably be the Rams. Although they're very star heavy, um, which I li- I like it. But like one injury could impact the Rams in a way that most teams like, I mean, not just the Stafford, but cup Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, uh, they're so star heavy. So I think the Rams, but if Trey Lance is as good as Kyle is hoping to make him, then I think they have the best, you know, comprehensive team, but quarterback switch is, is a real thing. For sure. Four D forward injuries really derailed his. his love set. that guy. Love uh, Yeah. Yeah. Love him. Yep. All right, Mike. Thank you for your time. You Thanks better go. <laughs> you better hand off. Uh oh. You have <laughs> COVID. Wait, did you get COVID over. The <laughs> I just got the COVID through the phone. Awkward. Hold on. I'm, oh. gonna, put a, I'm gonna put a mask on. So. <laughs> All right. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.